Hey everybody, welcome to the Common Folk Podcast with Ben, Morgan, and Andy. All right, welcome to Common Folk. Hey, we're back at it. Here we are. Now hold on, I like doing this. It's yes. like your signature move. I just think it sounds right. It's like business time. It's podcasting time. Yeah, I'm already half done. Well, I, You're late to the show. I can try and catch up. Okay. I, I think I can do it. Okay, let's go. Yeah. No, ben, where are you great. at in that drink over there? I just opened it. Okay. I'm hot, though, so I'm going to drink a lot, probably. Oof. We got the cooler ready. It's freaking hot in here today. We do, yeah. Well, in here, but also outside. Well, it's it's like outside, 97. Yeah. Oh, at least. I mean, it's almost like a spiritual experience. You're like hotboxing it in the podcasting room. <laughs> well, not hotboxing it like that. Jeez. You know what I mean? Like that's like, a, are you you know, it's like a yoga type thing. I don't know. I don't know. I was like, yeah. who's like, farting you're, Yeah, or you're what? saying, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't <laughs> We're just like going to sweat yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a sweat box. Sorry. That doesn't sound better to no, me. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you and Ben are kind of matching today. I know some of these folks can't see this, but it's a little off. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get the memo or what? Well, you're, yeah, I mean, it's the same like tone, isn't it? Like yeah, that's an earthy true. tone. Yeah, we're actually <laughs> yeah. All, yeah. all, we have guests here. We, we do. We got, a, we got a full room here. What How are we, we doing? Always have to remind ourselves. There's six in here today, <laughs> not three. It's a lot. So, yes. uh, who do we got here today, Ben? So, we have the folks from Upstream Farms um, Joe, Matt, and Emmy. Emmy with a. E-M-I. E-M-I. Yeah. Found this out. Because so, I would have thought it was E-M-M-Y or E-M-M-I. Yeah. Emmy was a last second tag along too because she wasn't even going to come today. And then she, when we were going to do this, she was going to go do some errands. And then uh, last second, we we're like, Emmy, you just stick around. She's been as big a part of our story as anybody. So For sure. Got her talking into sticking around. So yeah. got a crowded room here. So awesome. to give a little bit of perspective, uh, Matt and Joe, twin brothers, right? Yes, sir. So who's technically older? Joe is actually, but it Joe. was it was a quick it was a C section, so it was super fast. Okay, thirty so seconds. Like, was I was going to say. So then it almost doesn't count. <laughs> he doesn't have me by much. <laughs> <laughs> Not by much, but thirty seconds is thirty seconds older. So he's always got thirty seconds of wisdom on me. Figures. Yeah. <laughs> Does he pull that card when you guys are doing chores and stuff? Not, not really. I mean, but we've, we've <laughs> used to be that way, but he can still beat me up, which is crazy. Cause he just like, he's a little smaller than me, but like when we're going, like when we're, when we used to fight, he would just go crazy and I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was like, he's a, he's, he's a really good fighter. He's, so. I mean, he's shorter than Shorter you, than but, me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But like the kid. He's got a little bit of size on him. <laughs> So that, Joe, you is, work out. Is that out. some sort of fat joke, Ben? No, 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 no. no so I'm not, I said I'm not work shaming. out. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, no, that that's a I I don't know. You know, you talk about like being older, but I mean, there's a big maturity difference. I think. Not <laughs> 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 the truth. And then Emmy is my sister-in-law, Joe's wife. Um, yeah, yeah. And like I said, when we started Upstream and we started the vision of Upstream, I mean, we were start we were already going by the time you guys had met. But like when we got into the nitty gritty of it, yeah, um, Emmy was a huge part of that process. So I figured she could probably add some insight. So I appreciate you sticking around. Emmy. Yeah, we're gonna have to hand the mic over there here pretty yeah, soon. Absolutely. So uh, what I wanted to start with was um, first of all, what is Upstream Farms? Um, so people can get some perspective on that, and then let's dig in a little bit to 
to how all that's going and what you guys are doing. Absolutely. So, um, like our, I don't know, our tagline or pitch or whatever, the mouthful of whatever upstream is, as we like to say, we're twin brothers farming in the Midwest, putting new ideas on old dirt and then connecting our customers back to the land, one meal and beverage at a time. So that is like nice. our little 10 Damn. second spiel or whatever That's we have to say. That's a good elevator speech uh, right there. Yeah. I'm yeah, sold. So if I'm I ever meet it. like some big wig in an elevator in, in <laughs> Vegas or something like that, I'm like, this is what we do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, really what that is, is, um, our goal is to take commodities that we're raising as farmers. Um, cause we grew up on a, on farm and, um, after college we returned to that farm and, um, we just want to see a space in agriculture where we can take what we grow, mm-hmm. turn it into a value added product, sell it back to a consumer and build a relationship with that consumer as their personal farmer. So we want to see a, a world down the road where people used to have like, you know, uh, their mailman or the milkman or their personal hairstylist. Um, we want to be able to provide that relationship with the customer and, and put that face back with the farmer. And, um, and then we think that that has, a, that hopefully we'll see other young farmers doing that and, and create a different way to do agriculture, not necessarily the only way to do agriculture, but just different way of thinking when it comes to, rather than just expanding in terms of a- acres, we can vertically integrate and expand in that way. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really what we're doing. But I mean, another thing is storytelling. I mean, we, there's a story to be told in agriculture and we enjoy doing that so that's the other half of it is just a creative outlet for us to tell a story that happens in agriculture every day so yeah that's one of the things that i really love about what you guys are doing and what had first attracted me to your guys's brand what you have going on is that storytelling um and frankly i'm surprised that you guys aren't bigger on like social media and stuff like that than you actually are not that you're not but with the content that you create and the story that's told it's like I just feel like once people really discover it, it's going to get pretty mm-hmm. crazy. I don't know if that's how you guys feel, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nuts because like the space of content, and this is a whole nother rabbit hole we could get mm-hmm. down in, but it's really, I mean, you can create the best content in the world, um, but if, and, and just document all you want, yeah. but uh, it's those outlets, you know, yeah. there's different. If nobody there's, sees it, exactly, then Exactly, yeah. exactly. There's different media platforms that get saturated and other ones that have that space. And then also as we become more responsible farm owners and we've taken on more responsibility on the farm, uh, creating that content has been a whole nother, a yeah. whole nother beast. And yeah. so... Um, but with that, we've still been able to grow our brand in different ways, more word of mouth and things like that, which has been super interesting. So we found that as we've grown, but we still, I mean, every day I get to get on and I get to engage with some of our people in the social realm. It's like, it's super fun. Yeah. Well, and I feel there's a there's a growing desire for the consumer to get back to that one-on-one experience to actually buy from the farmer, from the butcher. When did that light bulb go off for you guys that, hey, this might be something that people want, you know, to hear the story, meet the people, and then do business with them? I don't I don't know if there was actually like a one time that that happened. I think that we started our kind of entrepreneurial, you know, journey in the Angler Entrepreneurship Program at UNL. Um, I mean, from the time we were in high school, I guess you could go back to say that we were really involved in our community. Um, you know, we would... As high schoolers, freshmen and sophomores in high school, we'd go to uh, economic development meetings in our hometown of Albion because we just really cared about the community. We always felt supported, whether it was through sports in high school or whatever we were doing. We felt that support and we loved our hometown. We loved our community. We always wanted to give back in some way. And um, when we went to the Angler Entrepreneurship Program Mm -hmm. at UNL, we found ourselves going down rabbit holes trying to start businesses just because 
we wanted to because mm-hmm. that's what you you know you were there to start a business and so um, you know we explored a lot of different things and when we came back to it, it what we really wanted to do was just provide a business that could um, support our hometown and just give back to our hometown in some sort of way and so we see what we're doing as an intersection of um, you know this creativity that Matt and I have um, which is you know we we grew up in the music my mom is a was a piano teacher and uh, we were it was weird you know you in a small town you kind of do a bunch of different things we were in band mm-hmm. but we we're also on the football team and right. so it's just like you do get this whole rounded experience and so we actually ended up at UNL not only being in the entrepreneurship program but we were in the UNL drumline and in and, and the UNL marching band and did things like that so we had this diverse passions, you know, very diverse passions that we wanted to create a business that was based around those passions and was kind of the intersection between, um, you know, this really creative outlet, but also agriculture, which we were obviously also very passionate about. So... Yeah, and I mean, just to pl- go off of that too, I mean, we also, just like in more practical terms, we, we grew up, you know, eating with a freezer full of beef. And that was mm-hmm. the first thing mm-hmm. we were like, I remember one time we went, when we first went to college, the first beef that I ever e- ate, and this is no lie, that wasn't cooked in a restaurant, but just like buy it, cook it on a grill, was that wasn't from our farm, was in college. I went to Hy-Vee and sorry, I don't know if I should, if no, you guys are sponsored by Hy-Vee or anything <laughs> like that. But we're I went to Hy-Vee. We're Kroger. Yeah. Get them out of Kroger all the way. But I, and I grabbed a steak and I was just like, and we cooked it. I thought I messed it up. And then we went home, had the same steak and I was like, oh, it's, it's the beef. It's the beef. It's the beef. <laughs> There's yeah. a difference. Yeah. And yeah. so, and that was yep. when we first like, okay, there's gotta be more people out here that are looking for good beef. So that was like the more practical. That's how we decided to go direct to consumer. But like the more like out there, the realm was like, let's do something in agriculture yeah. that is a little bit different, you know, a little more creative. So. And I it's, love that. Uh, I mean, that the route that you guys have, are taking um, has to be so much harder, but on the other hand, more rewarding. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> it, it is. Pass and, the mic. Oh, well, <laughs> the thing, it's interesting because Matt alluded this a little bit earlier, but we've taken on more of a farming role Um and and we talked about this before we started the podcast that um, we'll touch on this. We don't have to dwell on it, but our, and and I think that this is something that happens a lot in agriculture that you just don't hear about, but um, our family dynamic has switched since our parents got a divorce. And so Matt and I are now farming more of, um, we're taking on more of a role in the farm. Uh, We're farming our, our mom's ground after they got after they split. And so, you know, that was something that was unexpected. We'd started our business um, with our family farm, the farming operation kind of being taken care of. We were kind of hired help. Um, and we were doing, you know, whenever, you know, the family farm needed help, we would pitch in, but we gave us a lot of time to work on our business. And and so it's interesting because we've had to learn how to be good business owners and farmers. Mm-hmm. And to say that that's been extremely hard and been a really tough year is, is an understatement because we're, we're juggling a lot of things more than what we had thought we would ever have to this early in our lives. So this is super fresh then? This just... Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. the last 18 months. It's gotcha. been a part of what, of what happened. So we went from being full-time business owners, part-time farmers, basically, mm-hmm. um, where we were a part of a, a huge family dynamic and everything on the, those day-to-day chores and everything like that we got to be a part of it we got to document it be have it be a part of our lives but then um and you know when i say full-time business owners we were selling all the beef that we raised direct to consumers we were sourcing pork from other farms and selling that as well as honey and then on top of that joe went to distillation school we renovated an old milk barn on our farm turned it into a distillery and we were filling barrels full of whiskey with the grain that we raise and so we were sitting there you know that's all we were doing all that day to day and then you know chores 
planting, harvest, all those things. We were part of that, but we didn't have to do it ourselves. Here in the last 18 months, we've been doing both. So is this where Emmy's really come up big for you guys, where you guys are working in your business, she's working on your business now. Is that kind of where, where you've really been able to help? Yeah, it's kind of been like, you know, the last two years, I remember like the first night we irrigated by ourselves and we had to go start the wells and we <laughs> stayed up all night watching those darn things because we didn't know what was going to happen. And when we got them started, it was amazing. And so just having to balance the business and the farming side of it, doing everything of all of it has been a balancing act, but we're get, I think we're getting pretty good at it. And now we're just finding what we're both good at. And so, you know, Matt can sell the heck out of a beef, but I can go organize the freezer maybe a little bit better. And so yeah. just finding where we fit. And so, you know, I'm not on the farm um, full time. I'm a mental health counselor. And so I get to hang out when I can <laughs> and, <laughs> and provide a little feedback sometimes. <laughs> so, That's all right. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's just finding where we all fit. And, and so it's been fun. I don't know if I would use fun the last six months before, but it's, it's been a, it's been a journey and we're starting to find the fun of, of everything. And I'd and, say as far as um, farming and everything that you guys have going on, having a mental health counselor uh, staff. hello yeah. that's what i was it's thinking like, Jeez. No, you wow. guys they maybe we should have we these should... guys on every month yeah. <laughs> like how does that make you feel you think like maybe we should just take a step back like you, you guys are kind of quiet like what happened when you went to go irrigate like what's going on so yeah it's definitely been it's been a whirlwind the truth is in uh you know in what we do at farm focused and with all these different brands that we work with there's a ton of them that get on these mental health kicks, I guess you'd call it, you know, where they're trying to get behind, um, you know, whatever that month is, and they're really trying to bring things to the forefront and help people understand that uh, this is what's going on in farming, and this is what's going on with farm families, and so on and so forth. And it's a really serious thing. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to have that in your guys's uh, corner agriculturists just they get left in the dust sometimes and then they have this attitude of pull it up by your bootstraps and everything's going to be right. fine and yep. the neighbors growing the corn they're growing the soybeans we must be able to do that they look like they're doing a good time they're getting the same amount of rain as we are they're paying the same inputs we should all be fine and it's just not it's, that's not that's not the reality and so i think just bringing some more highlight to that of everybody has bad mm -hmm. days everybody has good days and everybody struggles and just sometimes a little bit more than than others i think that'll be I, I like where we're going in society of bringing more light to that because we definitely need it. And without spending too much time on it, I, but to continue to touch on what's important there, um, the other thing is the lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know, so you're, you're very secluded, you know, I mean, yeah, you can run to town, you can do these kinds of things. Most farmers aren't getting to come and, and sit down and do a podcast and chat with people and do the kinds of things that you guys are doing. But this is how you guys have built your business, you know, to work directly with people. Mm -hmm. Most farmers are working with their local co-op or their elevator or whatever. They're not seeing, you know, people from outside their realm. And, and that's a huge piece of that, that mental piece that you're talking and about. The, the co-op doubles as the coffee shop. I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that that's what's in, I mean, important for us too, is, you know, we get to have this diverse experience by starting this business. We get to be out with <clears throat> folks like yourself and be able to come chat with you guys. And, and I think that's, it's just as important for us as it is, as it is for our customers, because it's what we love doing. It's, it's important for us to be able to do things like this and we're passionate about it. So, yeah. Have you guys always, so you went to college together, you played sports, we're in the band together. Have you ever like separated? 
Honestly, it's crazy. Not really. I mean, we we didn't and live together. Gr- and we didn't great. we didn't live wondered. together. Like the first time that we never, I remember, like didn't do anything together was our freshman year of college, where he he decided to live like three dorm rooms down from me, and that was crazy. Like, because yeah. we had lived <laughs> under the same roof our whole lives, and then even after that, you you know, he moved with some of his friends. He got to be close with some some guys in the agronomy. We went in different ways in terms of our our degrees that we pursued when we were there. I I went after the animal science side. That's what I was passionate about. Okay. Going off the agronomy. Um, side and we figured that figured that was a diverse way to come back to the farm mm-hmm. you know and so that that was a good diversity good way to go but also allowed us to kind of branch out and do things differently and learn different specialties so yeah. we're out of each other's hair a little bit so he got friends in that space i got friends in my space and we, we lived in different places throughout college and then once we moved back from college we moved into my great grandpa's farmhouse and um we we all we, we lived together and then when <laughs> emmy and so we all we've all three of us oh, we Emmy's all lived, there too. And, and yeah. emmy joined the whole crew right during that time <laughs> emmy moved in too and so we were all into the same house and that was so fun now emmy's got to talk <laughs> so that was during covid and we didn't have a choice no we did have a choice it was great for a while and i said joe if you want to like still be in a relationship with me we should probably find somewhere else to live <laughs> so we did break up with matt no but... offense matt no offense, no, matt. No offense you're great matt. it's but it's no. me not you <laughs> right right we didn't move too far away so we're all in the same area now but so okay. it was good times when you guys were at school and it was your freshman year i imagine like the dorms that we lived in where yeah. there's like this commons area in the middle there's dorms across from each other we were in lincoln we were at uh I our, lived in Smith. We were in Harper. Yeah. We were in Harper. Okay, yeah. So were you guys like, like you guys were in different different buildings. So like, did you like put things up in your window? Like, hey, I miss yeah, you. Oh, like yeah, a ben, picture or something. <laughs> like, have to, you, we weren't in different buildings. We were like oh. three doors down from oh. each other. Oh, <laughs> so okay. that was, we were still under, he said we weren't on the same roof. We were still under the same roof, just not living in the same yeah, room, I, I guess. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but I mean, even with that, I mean, I think we are, so our mom was really good about always making sure that we remain two separate people um, our entire lives with twins. I think that's easy to not do that. It's, sure. it's easy to get really codependent. And while we still like, still struggle with that sometimes um you know when an example of that like when we were in high school and playing football or whatever i could have a really good game and matt could have a really crappy game and i would still feel like shit because uh, i'd be like oh man like yeah. he didn't have a good game and that just that just completely brought down everything and, and so like ex- that's just an, a good example of what happens a lot within you, you know you you have this what affects him affects me people are like oh if i pinch you, do you does he feel it and it's like right. well no but <laughs> you know it's one of those things where if having that dynamic and I, I think that there's a lot of siblings that can relate to that you know just being mm-hmm. able to if you have really close to your siblings things that happen to them you know you feel those things as if they were happening to you and so you know we've had to learn how to balance that um in our business being in business together and and and, and being partners um not not just brothers you know and and i think that that's it's challenging but it's also extremely rewarding because you know we can we can really bounce off of each other and, and, it's, and it's been a really big benefit for our business i well. think that even with relationships i mean you mm-hmm. guys will see that the longer i mean we've been together since we we're 16 i mean you start feeling that too so mm-hmm. that you say brothers or siblings sometimes i'll be like oh he doesn't look like he's having fun so. <laughs> you know I, I mean i don't know if that's a 
a it, thing it, that you would agree with, Ben, but I feel yeah, like probably. it's, I don't know. Ben's like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. This, that's point another of it thing is, that you'll learn as oh, you get stop. older. He's like, you just agree. It's like, yeah, oh, it's all good. Okay. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm no, with you. Yeah. But, but on the real, though, you, you grew up having the same experiences. Yes. You're going to you're gonna feel things in a certain way. Yeah. And that's 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 something we, we've we've worked through. And even this last year, you know, like I said, I, to, to say that it has been like a super easy year no bumps in the road um would be a lie i mean you know a lot of people when you go through farming you and i'm sure a lot of your guys' listeners um is i'm assuming primarily a lot of farmers a lot of it's agriculture folks sure agriculture folks Mm -hmm. and and if you're not from that space the dynamic of coming back to a family farm has a lot to do with um you get to learn a lot so like you have you know until the time let's say you start farming you're back on the farm full time till you're 20 and let's say you move all the way back you know all the way till you're 40 you're still farming and then and then maybe whoever's in charge of that space steps mm-hmm. out of there when they're like 80 years old people wonder why there's so much generational lag in agriculture mm-hmm. it's it's because it, of that yeah people don't retire at 50 they retire at 80 to 90 yeah. or, or, or or even later when they can't walk when they can't and, walk yeah. anymore they physically can't do it right and so um the thing is is the, a little bit different with our experiences is that a lot of those things that we when we decided to kind of jump into this space where we're full-time farmers too, we were getting baptized in fire. So it was a lot of just letting your pride down and being like, I don't understand this. You know, I feel like I should understand this, but I don't. And so when something breaks down or our fence doesn't get fixed correctly and there's those day-to-day things that need to be done or the mm-hmm. chores don't get done correctly and it just, you know, it doesn't work out. You know, we've had to learn from that and be very intentional about learning from that. And then and then in the same time, you still got three emails in your inbox of people wanting beef and somebody <laughs> right. wanting that. Yeah. And you have to deal with that when the sun goes down. Yes. And so we just had to work harder um, and mm-hmm. a little bit smarter and, and not have quite as much pride. Well, and it's not even that. I think that there's a point in our lives where we made a decision that, you know, we wanted to be involved with the farm. But, you know, there are some kids at our, our age who were taking on a lot more responsibility, but we decided to go a different route. You know, we wanted to do our own thing and so there are kids at our age who probably are farming and that's what they're doing but they and they do know more about it and so in our minds you know we we're perfectionists we want to be good at the things that we do and we want to do everything in a quality manner mm-hmm. and so it's really hard to you know go into that when you've been you know instead of learning how to completely overhaul a tractor i was learning how to run a still and and going to you know school to learn how to do that and and so some of those things that normally kids that grew up and they were all in on the farming thing Mm -hmm. would already know how to do some of the things that we were still learning how to do so it did it is one of those things you have to let down your pride a little bit and be like hey because we decided to launch a business instead Mm -hmm. of going all in on the farm we had to relearn some of those things Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and i mean one of the things that and i i I do a lot of sports broadcasting and that's kind of been a big part of my upbringing and and who i am uh a lot of blowback that coaches get is when they fire in a complete staff and they bring in their own guys. And they, you know, a lot of people look down on that. Oh, he's a good coach. He's a good coach. Why'd you fire him? And I am on the other side of it. I like that because when you're the head coach and you bring your guys in, you're responsible for them and you care for them. Every, and then they also, they bring it back to you. They know they need to win. Mm-hmm. You know, like they owe you the job, you know, their livelihood. So I feel it's the same dynamic here where, you guys are on the same page. Even if you're not on the same page, you know you got to make it work, right? Your farm's on the line, your livelihood. And it's the same in coaching. When when you bring your guys in, it's it's all or nothing, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And so I, I feel like you guys have that dynamic right now. And that's why you know, I think it's a big part of why you've been able to thrive and grow your business. Yeah, on the way here, we actually had a conversation of 
look at us. We're making some good decisions. We're all on the same page because we're not always all on the same page and we have to sit down and have long conversations. But today, yesterday, we've been on the same page. So it's just, it's, you know, it is a family operation. We yeah. all are striving for the same success. And so we all have to, you know, if somebody's a little bit lower, we have to pick that person up. And so it's just taking the time to hear everybody out and figure out what the, our goals are going to be. Yeah. And someone might forget some beef too, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and, and that's a great example. Like, <laughs> like you know. Sorry, just had Matt, to. Matt, oh, let them these, off the hook. Yeah. These guys here at Farm Focus bought some beef from us and it's great. I mean, because we're just, we and they, they have been uh, buying beef, but sometimes, you know, stuff, we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. I'm kidding and, you. Uh, you know, no, 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 no. no. I, I, it's a, it's actually a really good thing to bring up because it's kind of a, a little bit of an example of a bigger of what our years look like, which is the reason why. And like you can go all the way back. Is I told, I texted Ben we were running a little late today, and I was like, you know, uh, sorry we're running late. Uh, our irrigation wells didn't want to start up today this morning, you know. And, and we know uh, that's life. It's like, life. Stuff it happens. just happens. But then that was a result of me rushing while I was uh, filling up the, mm-hmm. the, the filling up the our vehicle or delivery truck with. Uh, with beef and then I get there and uh, and and two boxes aren't there that, that should have been there and so that's kind of like the, the uh, like I said a perfect example of why like balancing this I'm a full-time farmer and and it's crazy to me that some days I look around what, what we're doing and I'm like it was crazy to me because two minutes ago I was working cattle covered in manure I literally got dressed cleaned up and I'm in Omaha two hours later to do beef deliveries and I like get done with that day and I turn around like wow like eight hours ago I was literally covered in cow manure and now I'm like in (laughs) Omaha and I I know that's like a weird example but it's just we've had to kind of struggle with that dynamic of okay we want to be good farmers we want to do that correctly and so you're while you're trying to do that what do you drop you know what ball do you drop Mm -hmm. we're actually in a cool spot right now though where we're finally getting the opportunity where um, it feels like there's a light at the end of it because we're, we're getting to a point now where we can hire people and we can bring people on board and we can expand this past ourselves which I think is a huge thing for us personally um, we started this too I mean we're talking about why you know why did mm-hmm. we start this um, a big part of it was one help agriculture find a way to, 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 to diversify bring in multiple multiple sources of revenue um, and 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 create more of a stability in small farms you know and and that was that was first and foremost what we want to do but another thing was a motivation was to hire people we want to build a team to kick mm-hmm. ass with you yeah know? Mm-hmm. just build a team of people and let's every day show up and let's do our job let's do it really well and that was one thing that killed me about the last 18 months is like i was doing everything and all of it half-assed and all of us were like that's mm-hmm. what it felt like mm-hmm. now what were we actually no probably absolutely not. not you're never going to be harder on you're you're harder on yourself than anybody yes. else's but it felt that way at times and so when we're going through those ebbs and flows you know now finally when you get to bring somebody on board and finally we had this kid approach us and we honestly it was a good thing he approached us because we're the kind of people where we just work a little harder you know you don't hire somebody just work a little yep. harder <laughs> and um not a great mentality to have just for anybody <laughs> out listening it does not fare well you will burn out and so um finally this kid from the local grocery store shows up and he's just like hey guys i want a job i love what you're doing i want to work for you and we walked away and we were kind of like okay yeah well, we, we're not gonna do that and then we th- sat down and thought about it and we're like no we can't afford to do this and then the more I thought about it, we like we can't afford not to mm-hmm. and so finally we're in this space where we can bring more people in and we can start to grow and it feels really good and for so sure. it was just like i said you went through that 18 months of, of learning everything and now um it feels like that we're kind of gotten and i think that was what emmy was alluding to on the way here we were driving down the road and i was like man Feels different. Feels good. Feels like we're we're kind of getting our shit together. Whoa. And then I forget all our beef. So. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's and you led me right into it. it's going to feel really good to blame that kid for missing the beef. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not you. It's his fault. No, and I, I think that's 
That's true. I mean, I think that you can look at any family business. And, and re- I remember one of the ben- most beneficial classes I ever took in college was family business um, because it gave me a perspective that, you know, hey, you're not the only one out there that deals with some of these things, that, mm-hmm. that these changes will affect you. And, and it doesn't matter if it's farming, any family business, I think that you're going to have to deal with, with a lot of raw emotion that you wouldn't have to deal with um, in any other business. And it, and it does. It's, it's whether it's your partner, your wife, um, you know, wh- whatever it is, your, your husband, it's, it's, you're going to deal with things that normal business owners don't have to deal with but there's a reward to it that you just can't put a price on yeah and so i think by being able to bring in different people and add to our so-called family and treat them in the same way that we treat each other and figure that out i think we're going to have a really cool team down the road that can help us get to where we want to go and achieve some of the goals that we're trying to get to so yeah now if you're not comfortable you don't have to answer or whatever but I, i was curious how many head of cattle do you guys run so um before the split, I guess you could say, we had mm-hmm. about 300 head of, of, of purebred Angus cattle. Um, and so 600 pairs at the... Well, well, yeah, there were 600 cattle, you mm-hmm. know, and then they would all have, you know... Right, 300 s- pairs is what heifers. I meant. Yeah, 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 yeah 300 okay. pairs. Yep, exactly. And so, and then we, the way we raise our beef is from conception all the way through um, finishing. Um, mm-hmm. We are completely vertically integrated in that space. And you're seeing that kind of go away a little bit. You're seeing more people just kind of, you know you're seeing this this space where we're getting more specialized, which I think there's benefit to that. But Mm -hmm. for us, we like to have a hand in every part of the process. Not only do we raise the the cattle and their calves and finish all the way through the process, but we also raise everything they consume. So the hay, the corn, the feed, um, all the forages and feeds, the pasture land, everything like that. We've got 100% um, uh, control over that. And to me, personally, I think that has a lot to do with with, – with raising good beef. I mean, I don't want to get too technical here and we can edit this out if I do, but um, uh, <laughs> no, um, go for it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Just I mute just me right now. It. He's but, the editing guy. So, okay. <laughs> but there's a whole, wrap it up. <laughs> get her done. Let's go. No, no but I'm kidding. There's go. a lot of good. studies out there that say that um, there's, there's things called genetic conditioning um, in the third trimester or second trimester, excuse me, of a, of a, when I, when a calf is about to be born mm-hmm. and that impacts the quality of the meat. Right. All the way at the end. Yeah. You know, well, it, let's just say something's different about you guys' beef. I mean, we always talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so that maybe that's that's it. Well, it has something to okay. do with it. I think that there's a lot. To, and, you know, and I will also say, I think um, I've always said this. If you're buying right, right from a farmer, you know, um, you have less hands on it. You have less places where there's sure. less, yes. less, less chances for, you know, that the shelf life. It just it's 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 a more direct process okay. and so I think that you're going to enjoy that process more than when you buy right from a grocery store and I don't want to I'm very careful to um, you know degrade any other kind of business or other process but I will say when you're buying directly from a farmer I think you're most likely going to have a good experience the thing is is like you any logical person can look at the process and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're um, you know you've figured out the tricks in the second trimester and so on and so mm-hmm. forth if you're buying directly from a farmer mm-hmm. that's you know been fairly responsible as opposed to buying from a grocery store where use logic like how many steps has this piece of beef gone through I like, don't think how many months has it been it's frozen? literally going to change and it's not that it's bad you but know I don't like you think said some people think about that but the thing is is like that that has to be that has to exist yeah. uh, in the way that we're set up today the way society's set up because not everybody can go buy directly from the farmer. Not right now. There's not, that, that capacity is not there. And there's probably a good chance that it's never going to be. You know, you guys probably have bigger dreams than that. But there's there's a probably a good chance that that's never going to be. So that convenience factor 
and these big facilities that process all this to get it to the masses, that still has to exist. Mm -hmm. But there's just no way around it. Yeah. It just, it, it's not going to be, it, it's going to be totally mm -hmm. different. You could, you could apply that to anything. You could take a, I don't know, any product that's custom made, that's custom manufactured. You know, let's take our, let's take these handle bend guys. You know, these guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. But good friends, good right? friends. Yeah. So the stuff that these guys are making compared to what you're going to go buy, you want to go buy a copper mug at uh, Walmart. Store. Yeah. I mean, which one's going to be better? Obviously this is going to be better. There's more care put in this. It's, it's direct to you, you know, it's their hands on. I mean, you can apply this to anything. So that's pretty, pretty basic. I don't think there's any um, talking trash about any of the the, the bigger systems, because the bigger systems do need to exist. Absolutely. But the fact is, the way that you guys do it, it's just better, man. I mean, there's... <laughs> and, and I think that's what you're saying, is it's not an either or, it's an and. You yeah. know, you yes. should have the option to both. And yes. I think that's the one thing, is it's crazy, you look here, just in locally in Nebraska, how underserved the urban areas of Nebraska are with beef. We export a lot of our good stuff, you know. And um, I think that there's a space where, you know, it doesn't have to be either or. I think it's good for, though, I, and I, like I said, I'm always an advocate. Obviously, I'm biased from buying directly from a consumer. That's uh, good. Producer. It's good to be. Yeah, but that, but I, I, there's a lot of benefit for, for producers and consumers alike. I think, one, you're seeing an ability for a producer to run their farm more like a business. So they're not dependent on a commodity market, which is mm -hmm. why, going back to the distillery, that's a huge thing. I mean, we raise grain. We don't feed it all to our cattle. Mm -hmm. um, and so what are we going to do with that extra grain? Well, we're going to distill it into bourbon, and we're going to create a consistent price point for everything that we raise. So um, we do the same thing with the beef. That is a huge deal for us. And then we've also been able to help other farmers with their pork and honey to give them an outlet to market their products as well. From the consumer standpoint, I think it's extremely important as well because it gives you the option to have high quality beef and you are supporting your local communities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, can we hire Matt as uh, the hype man for a common folk podcast? I mean, he had me sold on the elevators piece. <laughs> then he said bourbon, beef, and followed up with honey. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'll let's be here it. all day, let's folks. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Come on. Now. I know. I keep That's wanting awesome. to talk about this distillery too. Yeah, so well, we'll get we'll get into that okay. in just a second. But I know. But like what he's saying is so interesting. Yeah. No. There's a lot like, of there's a lot of really cool things. Going I know. On. That's why we talked about this earlier. This could be four hours, but yeah, it's, yeah I mean, it's, it's not, <laughs> not going to be. You were leading into something, Ben, and, and I kind of want to get your guys' perspective on it because we talked about it uh, on one of our earlier pods. Uh, where it was, you know, fake meat versus real meat. Uh -huh. Just the difference. Okay. We actually had yes. the, the Incrediburgers, you know, and the real Whopper. We tried all that, yeah. 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 The Impossible Whoppers versus the, <laughs> you know, just as a taste test. Um, but I think you guys are kind of dialing back what I feel the ag community did to itself, and that is they didn't want to deal with things at every level. They wanted to just ship it off because um, they knew they knew that packers or you know commodity companies wouldn't take advantage of them no they need us we're the farmers they need us no as soon as they got to the point to where they could flex they did and now you know and that whole story was uh try to hide the process try to hide that you know that these things happen and now you guys are being out in front put it out on youtube no you're, we're gonna have bad days there's gonna be ugly days um cows die to make beef, you, you know, yeah. and, and I think people are kind of growing up like, okay, yeah, we're ready to take the blinders off and figure this out. Yeah. Well, I think that it's interesting because to, to, you know, as, as a society, we do have to, you know, I like what you're saying, Ben, we can't, we've got to have both because what we're doing at the end of the day is feeding people and 
we have to have efficient processes in place to be able to get food to people mm-hmm. and make sure that, you know, but, but within those efficiencies and streamlining that process, you do lose the story. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's the one thing that is important for us, because if we don't tell our story, somebody else starts doing that for us. And and that's where, in my mind, um, where the problem happens is because we're not we're no longer being the ones to kind of control what our narrative is. And, and, and we kind of gave up the rights to be able to talk about it uh, when when we when those efficiencies came into place. Again, they're important and they're necessary, but we've got to have a way to be able to talk about what we do and, and how we do it and why we do it. To that point, too, something that I've always said, and it applies to the category that you guys are in as well, is convenience is uh, that word convenience that's where a lot of really good things start mm-hmm. and that's where they eventually turn into a problem a hundred percent like you can Absolutely. literally like if you can keep that in your mind about anything that you run into if you look at it you're like why are we doing it like this today because someone made it super convenient and this is mm-hmm. what it turned into and this is how we're doing it and then people do things like you guys are doing and people think oh my gosh this is you know revolutionary and, and this is so cool look at this this is how it was before convenience. Absolutely. Yeah. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? That's hard work. Doesn't that suck? Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, there's a level of, of food security that came from that process. There's a level of, of space where people sure. are you can uh, purchase products for an affordable price. You yep. can go to, yep. a, to a space and, and buy a ribeye and have that experience for an affordable price. So there are benefits to it. But to your point, too, where you said the egg industry, we shot ourselves in the foot by not wanting to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that 100%. I think that there's a, there's a space for us to be able to talk about the process and 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 i think that there's going to be a lot of good benefits when you start to talk about the consumer producer relationship and i think it might even alleviate to things that are bigger problems in our society down the road where you're creating connection between rural and urban that are uh, it's making people get out from behind their screen mm-hmm. and have a conversation with a producer and ask hard questions mm-hmm. about why do you do it this way why is it done this way and we can say listen this is these are the reasons why we do it this way and then they can say I don't like that. And we can say, well, that's great. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll try to change that because mm-hmm. you're my consumer. Mm-hmm. And I think the egg industry, the day they said, because when we, the first, first thing we learned in entrepreneurship school was every business consumer first, you are consumer centric, the customer, they come first. Egg is the only place that we don't think like that, mm-hmm. where we say, well, people got to eat. They're going to eat the way I want to. And then you start mm-hmm. seeing things like the fake meat industry popping up. And, and, you know, I actually commend the fake meat industry a lot. I, I think that they found a, a, a problem that we have created and they're meeting it. The thing is, it's interesting, is I think what somebody who's looking to buy fake meat is looking for and the way that a, a producer is producing, I don't think it's that far apart. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a space where mm-hmm. that, if there was just a good conversation, yeah. and maybe that's the idealistic, part, the idealistic part of me, but if there was a good conversation, they'd see that they have a lot more in common than what they actually think. And, I agree. Um, and there's a space where they'd say, oh, hey, I'm going to buy that beef then because, and, and then we have more relationships like that. Yep. So someone listening to this that really doesn't know about you guys, how, when you say you like tell your story or you want to be, I mean, how are they going to find you? Not where to find you, but so are you delivering meat, mm-hmm. like to those that don't know, like straight to them? Do you have them come to your place and pick it up like what is the process what's the mechanism yeah, yeah. like how so, do you actually get to talk to this person then so our goal is to be able to buy meat from us in any way that is convenient for you okay. so if you want to buy one cut of steak from us and we ship it across the country to you you can do that we'll do it perfect you can go to our website www.upstreamfarms.com shameless plug right there but uh, <laughs> and you can order there and we will ship it right to your home um but also um 
through the pandemic, um, we found that there was a space where a lot of people, I think something primal kicked into people and they said mm -hmm. the things they want, good quality protein, uh -huh. things like that, um, it kicked in and they wanted to fill a freezer. And some security. And some security, yes. exactly. Mm -hmm. we, you know, they wanted to empty. gather around a fireplace and cook a steak together with their neighbors, mm -hmm. with their friends. Absolutely. Like, like a lot of that stuff, you're right. It came back to the forefront. Like I miss my friends. I miss my people. Yep. Yeah. What can we do? How can we create an experience mm -hmm. around that? We were able to meet that experience. And so through some innovative ways of getting our, our beef processed, because that was a huge thing. Yeah, we went out, that. we found yeah. some other processors that we worked with, which ultimately um, we have a really good relationship with a local processor in Lincoln who can do a higher quantity. We were able to meet that, demar that, that market demand. This is kind of full circle because what you talked about at the beginning was – you, um, you know, uh, you guys aren't as big as I thought you would be on social media and things like mm -hmm. that. Well, we haven't actually spent the time on it because our sales have grown I would say five times since, um, and, and, and they've How grown exciting. to the point. Yes. And it's, yeah. a, it's an Yay. awesome thing, but it actually got to the point where we're so busy with that, that the marketing doing oh, all the social media, yeah. Yeah. it just didn't make as much sense. It was like, we're trying to do all these other things. And, and I honestly, we're seeing other word of mouth converting better than any sure. social media post that we could create yep. as much as we tried to connect with consumers through a virtual space, um, telling a customer, Hey, did you like our beef? Awesome. Uh, tell your friends mm -hmm. yes. that did way more than any, oh, any yeah. post. And yeah. so sure. um, I think us kind of thinking of it that way, um, we kind of got out of that space a little bit and stopped spending so much time there. But yeah. Um, yeah, we were able to grow a lot during COVID and it was a, uh, it was a good space. So I think with you guys, sorry, with you guys and to touch on the social media thing, what I was getting at is that again, we talked about that story and you guys do have such a cool story to tell that people need to connect with and you tell it in a really neat way. I mean, everything that I see that you guys do on social media, in my opinion, is second to none in a lot, of, in a lot yeah. of people that I see. Um, so that was my point, is that, like, that's there, and I don't see how it's it hasn't. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I Top just, notch like their whiskey. <laughs> I just don't see how it hasn't caught on more. But I, I, what I do know, based on the space that we've been in, is that eventually something's going to pop, and then it's going to go dumb. But, I mean, you get uh, Yeah, I got the yeah. mic now. What do you got? Um, I was just saying with upstream updates is, like, the stories on Instagram, that kind of started when I when we came back to the farm. And mm -hmm. so I, I grew up in the agricultural um, community. My dad's a vet. And so I grew up with, you know, livestock and everything. But I didn't grow up on a farming operation. And so I'd be, like, I'd be driving down the road. I said, Joe, what the heck is this thing? And I'd describe it to him. And so I had lots to learn. And so Matt would always do upstream updates or Joe would do some mm -hmm. sometimes. And I was like, oh, cool. Like I was learning just along with everybody else. And so right. I'd call Matt when he would talk about putting up hay or something like that. I said, go into, go into more detail here because you might get some, you might get some questions here. And so it was a great opportunity. You had lots of conversations over Instagram or Facebook about people asking questions. Right. And so that was really cool to see people reaching out and asking for more clarification. Well, what I like about what you guys are building is that I've always felt like the social media thing, excuse me, is not here for the long run. Like in one in one form or another, it might be, but that's going to continue to change. So you know, you build two hundred thousand followers on Instagram or whatever, great. You know, two years from now, that thing might not exist. Yeah, you keep saying MySpace. I'm like, that's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of gone down a little bit even now as we started doing the haves, holes, and quarters. You know, that's what we're into right now. And so, you know, we don't have as much time to be on Instagram or Facebook yeah, or yeah. TikTok. We've been trying to do that, you know, a little bit. But um, just being a little bit more busy and, and supplying yeah. that demand that we've had over COVID has been changing well, my, that yeah and what my point is is behind the scenes behind social media the business that you guys are building is sustainable 
um, where I don't think social mm-hmm. media really yes. is sustainable, mm-hmm. but it's a really cool way to tell your story. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah. I think that that's kind of what, going back to that storytelling mm-hmm. thing, I we do feel like it's not, and we need to get back on it. That, that just goes between working in your business and working on your business type of thing. Once we, you know, hire a few people to do some of the things that need to get done so we can do more marketing and tell our story better than what we've done in the last 18 months, mm-hmm. um, we do feel like it's part of our responsibility as farmers to do that. Mm-hmm. Turn the camera right back around on ourselves and say, hey, this is what we're doing and this is why we do it. It's not just about marketing, you know, f- marketing beef. It, it's about telling our story because that's what we should be doing as farmers in general. But to play off of that, I think, I know I was sitting there saying, I think I could make this really cool story about how, oh, we're so busy, we can't be on social media. I do think that a part of that has been that the last 18 months have been very hard. And when something doesn't work out for you and, um, you know, you you have livestock on the road three days in a row because you just can't find the hole in the fence that they're getting through, uh, that's really hard to want to document, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's a level of embarrassment that comes with that through that (laughs) learning learning curve. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we used to preach, oh, you got to be vulnerable on social media. You got to, you got to share your story. The the reality of it is that's a lot harder to do. Pretty easy to say it. UNL, isn't it? UNL, UNL, when you're sitting behind a desk, exactly, and saying, hey, guys, share your story, be vulnerable, and then you're getting your ass handed to you day after day. Eventually, you're like, I don't really want to share this. And so- Good God. And if you put that out there and your neighbor sees that and he starts commenting, you know, that's- (laughs) You're going to get get raked over the coals for sure. And I mean, and that's that's the thing. There's there's part of that that, you know, our our, our local neighborhood is very, very supportive of us. We feel that support from them. Um, It's more of a, it, it is a pride thing. But it's also, like Matt said, it's one of those things that you have to really learn how to be vulnerable. And we've had points where we have jumped on and said, hey, you know, this is this is what's going on our day. Yeah, I mean, we so kind of dipping (laughs) into the distillery side of things. The first time that we got barrels in um, and for those of you don't know, uh, we make bourbon. That's that's our predominant what we're what we're trying to go for. And that product has to age for a very long time before it gets into a bottle in your hand in a glass um minimum for straight bourbon is two years and so you know that that product comes off the still as moonshine you put it into a barrel and it ages um and that's where it gets its brown color and most of its flavor from but the 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 story is is that when we get our barrels in um you know we're gonna put our first run we got first push up put down our first run of bourbon super excited got to this point where we're like super you know happy with what what's coming off the still that we're ready to put it into a barrel we get these barrels in and of course you know they've been sitting there for a while while we have been perfecting our distillation process um and we get ready to put our first product in in that barrel and uh i'm sitting there putting whiskey in the barrel we're pumping it into the top of the barrel and then all of a sudden there's just a little trickle of of something coming oh, out on the ground stop. and I go Matt, I'm like Matt's like stop it you're, you're spilling stuff Joe you're spilling and I'm like going no I'm not like the, the hose is all the way down in the barrel I don't know what you're talking about and all of a sudden Matt just takes a cloth and wipes it away and it keeps coming and it keeps coming oh. and we're like Oh my God. So we went from being the best day ever that we get to finally put our first product into a barrel and let this set it away to age for a long time. And all of a sudden this barrel's leaking. Um, and because, you know, we didn't realize this, that those barrels are, we, we knew that these barrels are hundred percent charred on the ins- inside there. They go through this whole process that if you let them sit without anything inside of them, uh, they're going to shrink <gasps> and they're going to yeah. crack and there's going to be holes in them. Oh, shit. And so we quickly realized that, that we needed to find a way to get what we had pumped in there uh spent forever getting this product perfected we really didn't want to waste it 
So we sit there and we're like, we don't know how, you know, we'd have to reverse the pump and figure out how to get it through. And it was just like, we were scrambling. And so Matt's like, we'll just siphon it. So I just was thinking yeah, of that. So, but if you can imagine it, we all our barrel entry proof is at 110 proof. So oh, you're taking 110 no. proof mm. alcohol, sticking a hose in there and then trying to suck it through a hose to get it to gravity fill back down into a bucket. Matt's gagging, spitting the stuff all over the place. We're just like trying to get it, finally get to the point where we're, we get it actually siphoned out. And, uh, it, it stops leaking and we just sit down and in defeat and we're like this sucks this is this is this is a bad day it was a great day we had been documenting up to that point and we're like <laughs> matt's like i don't know he's like should we take down these posts like so people i'm like no matt we, we've got to tell people we've got to tell people yeah. that, that this is what happened and it was crazy because we did that and the response we got was not oh you guys are idiots oh right. you should have known better it was Oh man, I'm just glad I'm not the only one that, that stuff like this happens to. Oh man, you guys yeah. are great, great. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, and and it's just a crazy to hear that support even through yeah. those tough, tough times. So did you have the camera then, Emmy? Was that right? I did not. I was waiting for the call after the first barrel was done, and I called Joe. And I said, "So was it done?" He goes, "Well," and he's telling me this story. And I'm like, "You tried to siphon it, like what?" <laughs> and so yeah, I was. I looked forward to the documenting after that because it was real and it was honest. But I can appreciate that you guys kept that up there um, because there's um, there's a lot of blogs and vlogs and all sorts of other stuff that teach you how to like fix your dryer, fix your air conditioner, this or that. And we'll go to those because we try to fix our own stuff, right? You know, try to be self-sufficient. And you go through all these steps, and then you finally figure it out. You don't actually get the answer, but you go through all these steps, and then you don't go back and contribute because you figured it out. You got right there to where that mm -hmm. last comment was. Mm -hmm. And, like, we're trying to get better to, okay, now go back to that and say what you did to fix it. Because this has happened, like, two or three times with that in the last couple of years where we fix something – and the, the, the blog or the how-to, you know, conversation on whatever social media platform got us to that point, but we still had to figure it out. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you could just tell they did, but then they didn't go back and tell the story. Yeah, we definitely right. kind of just left it, but hopefully that helps somebody out, you know. Oh, definitely. Some, you know, see the barrels. You know, we had them sitting there because we were prepared and we were ready to fill them. And then maybe we were a little too prepared because we didn't know that you had to rehydrate them. And so, yeah, it was... It was nice to go so back what and is the fix that. then? It was to get them wet on the inside. Yeah, so I okay. mean, the, the fit. You, luckily, you can rehydrate that. Barrel. Oh, you can. So, yeah, okay. you can. You just put a little bit of water in 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 the. You you have to set it up on top of. Um, you know, the, those staves have to expand pretty much, and so expand back out, and the heads of the barrels have to. So you flip it over on its side, so the barrel's sitting straight up and down. You put some water on the head; it'll reseal up. You put a little bit inside the barrel, so that it's sitting on the inside of the head, um, and then you flip it, and you, it takes. It's a process. That it takes about um, two days to actually. So that's what I was gonna say. It's, it's, a, it's a long process. So it's, a, yeah. it's another process. You know, unfortunately, to get a price break, we bought sixteen barrels at a time, oh. and we have this problem every time we go to fill a barrel. Now that we have to go through <laughs> rehydration, uh. it's got uh, you know rings on that barrel that you actually beat those rings down mm -hmm. to try to tighten everything up. I don't know, Ben. They're Bourbon sounds a little watered down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we make sure that all of that gets out of there. I mean, okay. and the thing is, is that, you know, it's actually a process, you know, a lot of distilleries go through that, especially small distilleries. They go through those growing, growing pains. But, um, you know, what we're doing is, you know, from a distilling standpoint, you know, it's, it's, there's not a lot of people that are doing it around us. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, there's, there's, Nebraska probably has the lowest, I think probably one of the lowest amounts of distilleries per capita um, in, in the United States. And, and so, you know, you're kind of out on an island by yourself trying mm -hmm. to figure this whole thing out. And, and what distilleries are out there aren't necessarily willing to work with you because it is right. one of those things where it is a competitive thing. And, yeah. and, and so you do have to, you're, there's not a lot of people that are willing to just reach out 
out and say, hey, you know, we, we want sure. you to, there's not, you know, how many ever distilleries to figure It's not like a farming where you have a neighbor down the road that can help you with whatever you want. You yeah. They're just not around. So yeah. when you have problems, you can't just like... Right. Call the neighbor and say, "Hey, how do you do this? How do you fix? Yeah. How do you fix this? How do you fix that?" You know, it's kind of just trial by error. Also, being farmers, I think had some benefit to that too, because sure. we can Probably rig so. things up a little bit, yeah. a little bit different, yeah. but it works. So. so you guys are handy. Oh, we try. I, I wouldn't say handy. <laughs> I would say we are uh, we are uh, proficient. Yeah, innovative. <laughs> We're not like the handle bend guys. Yeah. Oh <laughs> man, Mike and Matt, we've called them a couple times. There's a lot of copper in distillation, and they happen to have a lot of copper. Yes, so they do. Uh, soldering and everything like that, they've helped us uh, more than once. Those guys are awesome we're trying to talk into into building us a new still and oh, like, nice. we're gonna stick with mugs for now so. yeah <laughs> the uh so you guys have talked about a lot of things and i there was one other thing i wanted to talk about on the beef side and i definitely want to talk about the distilling um because i've had a couple people ask me this and i don't know the answer to it but you always hear about grass-fed and grain-fed mm-hmm. beef yeah okay so what you guys have going on the way that i understand it is raising them in the fields, you know, uh, growing your own haze and forages and things like that, and then a, a grain finish and so on and so forth. That's the way that I understand it. Yep, and then absolutely. I've had people ask me, how does that actually work? And when someone says they finish the beef on grain, what does that mean? Like, yeah. do they sit there for 30 days and, and eat it or, you know what I mean? So they just get, get into that just meal. for a final meal and it's just, that's it. It's your, your last <laughs> supper and it's just a bunch of corn and think, that's it. I yeah. think there's a lot of people that are listening to this that don't know that and you hear that thrown around a lot because that's what it's become it's like well that's that's marbled so nice because it's grain finished you know and like people use all these things so what's what's that all about so um basically i mean what we say is it's it's what a lot of beef that's done in nebraska it's very typical we're, we're grass-fed grain finished um and that's basically is that the, the animal spends the majority of their life on grass pastures in grass mm-hmm. pastures eating grass consuming forage um that is what's pretty natural to that animal's diet um, the thing is, is, um, you can get a higher quality product by supplementing grain into their diet. And, um, you slowly do that over time. You're not just, they're not just sitting there just gorging themselves on corn. Mm-hmm. They still get hay. They get a lot of hay. They get a lot of, of, of silage, which is a forage mm-hmm. corn mix. And then they also get some grain corn on top of it. You can also feed things like flaxseed and millet and all different kinds of grains and, and distillers grains. And that's another byproduct mm-hmm. distiller, uh, of yeah, our distillery. Sure. So we're able to be kind of a closed loop system where mm-hmm. we feed all of the, the distiller byproduct, which is what comes after distillation, the grain that's left over. We feed that to our animals too. And it's healthier for the cattle. Yeah. They, they're not getting drunk. Well, a lot of people think they are. We <laughs> Got, we took all the alcohol away from it, but uh, they, there, there is that that side of it too. Um, but basically, um, I think I can't really speak to the consumer perception of it as as much, except for that I think a lot of consumers' perception of that space is that that animal is in a confined lot, mm-hmm. doing nothing but eating and pooping mm-hmm. and dying. Mm-hmm. And that's not the that's not the the reality of it. The reality of it is is that that animal is getting a balanced ration and a balanced diet that we slowly convert into a higher concentration of grain. But up until the time that we process, they are always getting um, some sort of forage hay um, in their diet. And, um, so from that standpoint, um, I believe that's what I was raised on. So my, my taste buds like that better. Um, I've had grass fed yeah. beef. I will never shame grass fed beef. Um, I don't enjoy it cause that's not what I was raised on. So I think, yeah. I think there's, there's par- parts of, I've always tried it. I'm always willing to try something, uh, different. I remember, uh, we were just having this conversation on the way down. Emmy was, uh, in DC with some of her students. Um, and she was like, uh, you know, some of some of, oh yeah, you want to tell the story or she, she, she just tried a vegetarian burger. Which whatever that means, you know, it's it's just a plant based burger. Yes. Yeah, so and and her students are like, 
your dad would be so disappointed in you because he's a veterinarian. <laughs> and uh, she's like, well, not necessarily. She's like, you know, I, I, I think it's always important to try different things. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I'm not necessarily saying that one's better than the other. I'm just saying I think what there should be, it's not an and or, uh, uh, it's an well, and, not a, a either an or. or. Sure. Exactly. It's a, it's an and world. It's not an or world, yeah. right? Yep. It can be and. It can be both. Yeah. And and so I think there's another side is the health side of, of grain, grass-finished beef 100%, you know. Um, which is that there's higher omega-3s, and there is some truth to that in that beef, that it's healthier for you. It's per, per ounce of fat, there's more omega-3s but there's there's more marbling intermuscular fat and that's one thing i i'm huge on this um i'm not a, i'm not a dietitian or anything like that but fat is not bad for you no not you know, at all you know uh, no. uh pr- processed food and and sugar and things like that 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 has changed in our diet more so yeah. than than just fat in general fat is good yes. for you and so um per ounce of fat there's the same amount of omega-3 well there's not per ounce of fat excuse me but there's more ounces of fat in a, gra- a grain finished beef so you're actually when you're eating a 18 ounce steak of let's say grain finished beef versus 18 ounce steak of grass finished beef you're going to get the same amount of omega-3s and the same amount of vitamins and things like that in mm-hmm. that beef mm-hmm. um at least from from where my standpoint is um you know now i'm, I'm always open to learning more i'm always yeah. an open book but that's how we do it that's our process right now um uh and uh it's worked out pretty well for us so far and, and the other thing is really big and i i think that we get a little too politicized on the fact that um i think farmers can always be doing more for our planet doing mm-hmm. a lot more to make ourselves more environmentally friendly um we do a lot with rotational grazing we do cover crops we put armor on the soil we do no-till farming practices those are big things that help offset our our, our animals emissions our Animals have emissions. That's something that they do. Sure. Humans do. We're the most, yep. Humans are the most unnatural thing to the planet. You know, and so um, whatever we can do to be offsetting the things that we do that are not unnatural to the planet, we should be trying to do, in my opinion. And so we do all of those things um, uh, in order to just try to not only do what's best for our animal, not what's only best for our consumer, but what's best for our planet as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's something everybody can agree on. So, you yeah. know. So just kind of rewinding back to the start there, you talked about uh, a vegetarian burger. (laughs) I feel like every burger I've ever had is that because that's all cattle eat or plants. Exactly. That's your food food, right? (laughs) Oh, I never thought about it like that. (laughs) I mean, that's not what you're talking about? (laughs) No, no, you're right. (laughs) I think think that, you know, the biggest thing what Matt's saying is is that we – when when you talk about being politicized is that, you know – and I think it goes back to that and or the or statement. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if tomorrow – we were told that the best thing for our consumers that, you know, I don't want to be sitting here. I mean, you look at like the tobacco industry, you know, they can't sit there and say that smoking a cigarette, you know, pack a cigarette today is good for you. You can't say that. And, you know, so if they came out. Tomorrow, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> they can say that, but should they? And, 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 you know, that's the thing is as farmers, we have to be responsible. That's what being a responsible farmer mm-hmm. is listening to the science, listening to what it, it's not out there for, for us to just disagree. And, you know, I think there's that whole idea that, you know, oh, just cause I read mm-hmm. on the en- internet means it's fake. You know, there is science backing some of the things that we're talking about. And, and, and so we've got to listen to that. We've got to be really intentional about making sure that the management decisions that we're making are good for our planet, good for our consumers. And and even sometimes if it doesn't align with what we want in our pocketbooks, we have to make sure that, you know, cover crops doesn't make us a lot of money. It's not mm-hmm. like it's making us a, a hand no. over fist, but we're doing it because it's important. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's what we need mm-hmm. to do as farmers uh, to, to, to change how we've done things in the past. And, and if we can continue to do those things, I think we're going to be better off as an industry. Well, and those type of things open the door for smaller operations like you guys. It, you don't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm scared as hell with like what Bill Gates is doing right now, just oh, yeah. buying up gobs and just tracks and tracks of land. They're 
there's rumors that China's buying farmland in America. Yeah. Like, that scares the hell out of me. And a long time ago, my father and I had this conversation, like, if these small guys don't get with it and figure out how to pull this off, it's going to go away. And then you're going to lose it all to like what, what's already been happening where the Packers have all this power over, you know, you guys raising the cattle. And it's just ass backwards from the way it should be. But once again, I feel like us farmers, us ranchers, we've kind of done it to ourselves out of convenience. Mm-hmm. Adapt or die. Yeah, exactly. Figure mm-hmm. it out, you know, whether that's through sharing the story or diversifying into a distillery, which I think that's a top-notch idea. It is. <laughs> We're working at it. I had a question, though, but how long has your f- family had the farm? I don't know if we talked yeah. about that. So like, um, Operational. We're, we're younger farm than most. Okay. Um, not not all farmers. I've seen a lot of young, really young farms out there. We'd be considered fourth generation. Um, fourth. So um, uh, our great grandpa, like in terms of the farming side of things, um, uh, on our dad's side, uh, he got here from Switzerland in 1910, 1920, 1920. And um, I believe he left Switzerland because... Uh, he wanted to go to college and his dad wouldn't let him. So that was, uh, he was a rebel and he, he really? took off. Yep. And it's kind of a cool story. He, he, he saved, uh, that he did not, he only wrote to his girlfriend at the time and, uh, he sent her a ticket when he had gotten enough. He'd worked for a farmer, didn't speak English, worked for a farmer here in uh, Northeast Nebraska. Um, and, uh, and then he got enough saved up. They sent a ticket for his girlfriend. They got they got married in Iowa. He met her in a train station in Iowa. They got <gasps> married there because that was like you get a marriage license without having to wait a week or something like that. So they could get married right there. <laughs> and so they got married, moved to Nebraska, started farming. And then my grandpa and his brother farmed. My dad and his brothers farmed. And, and now we're farming. Okay. And so, um, like I said, there are much older farms than that. Oh, well, yeah. Say, but, but I like thought, I said, well, so, I wonder so, how many yeah, generations yeah. Yep, So we'd be considered so. fourth generation farmers. Hey, you want to talk okay. about entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, that right there. Yeah. Oh, I don't man. like what's going on here. I'm going to America and I'm going to follow. Bye-bye, you, Switzerland. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> it's, it's insane. Talk about I mean, putting yourself out there, mm. you yeah. know. It, it's crazy what some of, you know, you listen to farming stories like that. And it, it, it is very inspiring to, like, think that, you know, that's kind of what we're trying to do with the distillery a little bit. Um because, you know, we had the luxury of having fourth genera- four generations before us know how to raise good beef. We're still learning. Like, we're still changing our practices. But we had that product was ready to go to market from the day one. You know, with the distillery, we feel like we're pioneering that. We're adding. That's our little bit of a of a stamp. You know, right, we're taking this beef to directly to consumer. That's not what our family's done in the past. But with the distillery, this is a new product that's coming to our family that's that's completely different. And we have a lot of pride in that. And, and we know that we when we get down on ourselves, um, you know, things aren't going our way in the distillery. Remember that story of our great grandpa coming here being like, you know, he, he had to go through a lot and a lot of, and, and generations have had to go, four generations to actually create He had, he had to learn news. how to speak a foreign language. Yeah, exactly. Why he was on the job. If he can, yeah. if he can do that, we can create yeah. good spirits. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, yeah no you guys doubt. have gone through some of the same things in different ways. Yeah, and, you our, know? and our grandpa on our mom's side also in the grocery store in town. So he was kind of entrepreneurial in that way. He just bought the grocery store and did that for his whole life. So it's kind of fun because we say, well, we're, we're kind of in groceries. I mean, we're not, it's, it's a certain type of groceries, but right. we're still in groceries. <laughs> so I was like, you know, try a nod to both sides of our family. So is, sure. is that coming or is that a, a vision that you guys have? Like if, if I travel to Albion, Nebraska, is there going to be an upstream where I can go there, buy some steaks, buy some bourbon? You know, is that something you guys have thought about? 
Yeah, I mean, we would love to have a physical location. Some eggs, some eggs. Oh, absolutely! Produce. Just have a whole, the whole, the whole farm to table experience. <laughs> and I think that there's a space for that. And I think we'd really like to do that. Our whole thing is we'd like to survive from yeah. a distribution standpoint, where we are able to. It's really, um, you know, it's it's kind of backwards from what a lot of, especially in the distilling side. You see a lot of distilleries they will create, or even the brewing industry. Um, the brewing industry had uh, they started. Um, you know, they usually start a tap house of some kind and then and then they'll distribute slowly over time after they get a brand built. Well, we, since we've already built this brand around the beef and our farm, we feel like we've got a certain amount of leverage where we can go distribution right away mm-hmm. and kind of wait to, mm-hmm. to do that that experience. Now, we'd love to create an in, in-person experience where we can do a cocktail lounge of some kind coupled with a, a market where we can do – there's something very similar or, to that. Or, or, or restaurant. Or a restaurant. And there's something very similar up to that mm-hmm. in North Fork, Nebraska. Joe and yeah. I look at it. Uh, Albers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the feedlot. They have a place called – oh, gosh, I'm not going to remember Lot the name. So, so, it's, a, it's, it's really cool. It's I know a really, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cool. I think that that experience to me, when Joe and I saw that, very inspiring for us. We're like, this is this is so cool to and see. Handle and handle bend. You know, th- those guys have been incredible. What they're doing for their community. Um, you know, exactly I, right. I think that there's a huge space for for that to happen um, yeah. in our foreseeable future. I think that brick and mortar idea is important um, to have that physical location. I mean, you guys know that with your business. It's it's nice to, you know, we do have, I mean, we have a brick and mortar uh, distillery, but it's just for, um, you know, producing, and, and, and we've got our freezer there and everything yeah. like that with beef. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's literally just for production only. It's not... It's not for somebody to walk in and, mm-hmm. and, and actually have the experience that we want them to have. We can give you a tour, but um, that's that's the extent that mm-hmm. we can do. And so, yeah, at some point there in, in Albion, Nebraska, we would love to have a brick-and-mortar location where you can come and have the entire experience that we want you to have um, and, and, and understand our farm from that standpoint. So I th- The brick-and-mortar brick thing is definitely coming back around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know? the, the, oh, people the, want the experience. That's right. like we've been yeah. talking about from the top of this. The story. People, yeah, the story. To the know, experience. meet the people. Yeah. Yeah, we we had a long so Handelman. It's funny you bring them up. They're not just um, they're not just uh, you know friends of ours. They're mentors for Matt and I. We they they've kind of we sought them out. They sought us out, um, and and they have been huge business mentors because um, for us. And and if you don't know Matt and Mike, they are they they remind us a lot of Matt and I. Um, they're just really um, really they give their advice without you having to pay for it right they're they're just extremely generous um you know we went had a conversation with them a week ago just about this exact same thing about how you know i think we were up there fixing we had to take an irrigation motor or something up there to get fixed or something and we said they were like hey we're we just texted we're in town they dropped everything that they were doing just to come chat with us because they care about what we're doing as a business and um and vice versa but they are if you don't know, you know, the handle bin building that they just built up there is very brick and mortar. And, you know, we were having this exact conversation with them that they're like, it's important for your community to have that that mm-hmm. space of gathering and having mm-hmm. that opportunity to for, for your community to rally around what you're doing. Um, you know, they took they honestly what they have done has allowed us to believe that it's possible to do that in our hometown and for it to be successful. Um, and and because they're doing that, I think it's made us realize that, hey, this is something this is maybe our next step um, down the road. Um, to, to, to being able to provide that experience for our customers. I was hmm. telling Ben what last podcast or podcast we recorded, like I wanted to go to location on see you guys' farm. So we'll, yeah. we'll have to go and then visit them too. Oh yeah, you're always welcome for a tour. And that's a good point too, is because they're also, I think they're a little bit like, 
put this up because it'll give people stuff to do. I think they foresee people driving up from the more urban areas mm-hmm. um, okay. and they would love to have a jumping off point for all these. I mean, gosh, if, if, if you're listening to this and you're from either, even outside of Nebraska, you know, most get, of the listeners are from outside, outside of Nebraska. Yeah. If yeah. you're driving through Nebraska, get off the interstate. There is, there is, it is. A, there are vibrant communities that are doing really cool things. There's mm-hmm. a coffee shop, Normal Roasting, another business mentors for us, and just good friends. And they're doing this. It, it looks like you took a roastery and a coffee shop out of the middle of of downtown New York City and you plopped it in the middle of Burwell, Nebraska. Wow. I mean, it is beautiful what they've done, and. I, and people love it, you know. They support it, and it's 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 incredible because they're able to get the. They, they ship. They also ship. They ship their stuff all over the country. Their their beans and the, um, everything that they roast. But they also have a spot where, a, you know, a farmer. You walk in there, and it's kind of funny because there's like a seventy five year old farmer sitting there enjoying <laughs> a coffee. And usually, you'd think of some you know Fancy. hipster, yeah, 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 you know, like like yeah. having a having it's, their it's drip pretty, coffee or something like that. Gucci, yeah, like it's Gucci, pretty cool. Yeah. But it's a really they provided this experience where people are willing to support them. So, like yeah. I said, if there's anything you take away from this podcast, if we've rambled on way too long, if there's one thing that you can just take this bite and put at the beginning. If you're not from Nebraska, <laughs> get I'll off the interstate because there is there is a lot. To, get off to, the interstate. Get off the interstate. There's a title. lot to see. Get off the interstate. Yeah, yeah. I like off. that. I like hey, that's that. The, is that the is that the uh, is that the name? The title of it? Maybe it'll be. Get yeah. off the interstate. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. a new T-shirt. Get yeah. off the interstate. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's true. Yeah. On the uh, distillery side of things, just to kind of have a little bit more of a conversation around that. So you guys are doing? Is it just bourbon right now, or how's that how's that going? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people don't realize, um, you know, how long that that takes right. that, that process takes, and so yeah, I mean, we're mainly cranking out bourbon right now, and we have the luxury to do that. Most people, most distilling the, in the distilling industry, you don't have that luxury. You've got to have some sort of clear spirit that's ready to go in a bottle, right? And after that's kind of what I was getting at because it seems like every time I hear a new one pop up, the vodka's hitting the streets. Yep. But why is that? Um, because there's no aging requirement. There's no oh, aging time. It's that super it's, fast. It's super quick. It comes off the still. You cut it down, whatever proof you want, with water, and and it goes in the bottle and you sell it. But that's the unfortunate part. It's not as high quality of a product, so therefore you can't. It doesn't. It's 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 kind of um, you know you could lose money on that product really quick because the amount that it takes you to make that product versus what you can actually get for it versus bourbon mm. or mm. or you know something that's been aged is so much less because that market is so saturated right now. Um, there's okay. a huge. I mean, everybody you can make a vodka right away, um, but the problem with that is is that you're you're just another distillery creating mm-hmm. vodka. You're, there's mm-hmm. nothing unique about that. By definition, vodka is a clearless, odorless. Um, you know, tasteless product, you know, not tasteless, but it can't be, yeah. you're not really supposed to be able to distinguish that um, from any other product. By the definition of the federal government, you're really not supposed to be able and I've, to. And I've had uh, a, a little bit of an inkling about that. I've never really dug into it myself, but that's what I've kind of always thought and the little things that I've heard. And it's so funny to me because I'm always watching these like celebrities coming out with their own vodka and stuff uh-huh. like that. And I'm thinking to myself, come on, guys. You, like, yeah. you're definitely fooling somebody, but you're not fooling me. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is that's that's the deal is you can crank out vodka like crazy. And like Joe said, margin's tighter. Your cash flow is going to be a little harder, but you can cash flow while you're waiting for your, your, your age stuff to get ready, while you're waiting for your bourbon mm-hmm. to get and your whiskey just to be, um, you know, to give it the time it needs. Um, and a lot of distilling, you're going to take it, you're going to, it, whether you're going to make it or not depends on is can you survive that time before you 
your first bourbon is ready. And a lot of people, there's a way to do, you know, for a while, this was something we're kind of against doing is you can also source barrels um, of, of, of bourbon that's already been aged from other companies called like MGP, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and you can have, you know, you'll have your bourbon, but you'll also have, you know, somebody else's bourbon basically that you're selling under your label. Mm. It's white label bourbon that you're buying in. Yeah. Um, and then you're selling that just to kind of get your brand out there, get some recognition. Um, you know, we talked about for a while, we do, you know, from our farm and from the neighbors, right? Like you have something that, that it's, it's not your bourbon, but you're able to sell it and create mm -hmm. cash flow while you're mm -hmm. waiting for your bourbon to get ready. Um, we're kind of against that because we don't, like Joe said, it is a luxury that we have, but because we built this beef business, because we're farmers, we can cash flow our distillery. Yeah with these other sides of our business. And so that's allowed us to take the time to let our bourbon age, um, you know, and, and take the time we need before we're going to, before we're going to kick it out. And honestly, if you ask us to tomorrow, when's it going to be ready? You know, and oh my gosh, if yeah, I, that if was I, my next question, if I, if I, yeah, if I had a nickel for every time we've been asked that, <laughs> and honestly, we say it's ready when it's ready because we'll try it. Yeah. You know, um, right now we have something in a bottle. that's really, we really, really like it's, it's, it's two years old and we're thinking maybe this fall we might kick it out, but we might get a wild hair and say, let's let it sit for another year, yeah. you know? And, and I think that the, the nice part about that is, is we can take the time that we need to, to let it do that without having to. Now we've had to really be strategic about blocking out all the other noise It's saying, get it out. We want to know, <laughs> let's do it. Mm -hmm. But we want to take the time because we've built quality around the beef company. We're not going to do anything different when it comes to our bourbon and our whiskey. Oh, no, no. Move. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you saying diversification helps a business? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> Which is kind of counterintuitive to like the idea that we're not going to push out vodka because really, I mean, having more product is really going to, you know, set, it's going to, it's going to help you out. Um, one of the other big misconceptions in the distilling industry with vodka is that, People are assuming that every distillery can make their own vodka, and a large chunk can't, us included. We actually can't make our own vodka. Um, you have to have the right distillation equipment to do it. If you walk into a distillery and you see, like, the old-style pot still that you're sitting there seeing that, like, you see on moonshiners and stuff like that, you will not be able to achieve the proof by federal government, which is 190 proof, to be considered vodka. Mm. Um most distilleries actually buy in ethanol from uh, small ethanol plants that's called uh, grain neutral spirits, uh, GNS, and they will either, if it's good enough, they'll just put it into a bottle, cut it down with water, put it in a bottle and say, here's the product, um, and put their label on it and say, this is, um, this is our product and this is our premium vodka or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And some people will run it through the still one more time and, and clean it up or whatever they want to do and, and, and say that, you know, this is our premium vodka. And so that's, you know, it's crazy to me because people are trying to set themselves aside with this product that is, that doesn't have any character to it. It doesn't, and it, and it doesn't really align with what we want to do because that's why bourbon is so fun for us and so cool because it represents us as a brand. It's got character. It's got a story to it. To it. It, it it's the only thing you won't get another barrel of bourbon that's going to taste like anything else in the world that doesn't taste that, that comes from our farm and that's kind of what we started that's this conversation awesome. with is yes. that it's the story behind it yeah, yeah. like any anybody can go out and do those things that you just said and and create a brand and market and, right. and try to move as much as they can and so on and so forth but it doesn't have that story and what does yeah. that story mean and what's it worth yeah and well, get on instagram show some tna vodka <laughs> <laughs> well and, and to go off what joe was saying is is to take it one step farther is 
you know, uh, you, in the maturation process where the barrel is aging and the whiskey is going throughout those staves, it goes through contractions and expansions when it comes with uh, the temperature changes and things like that. One, this is my plug wide. Nebraska, I think, is a perfect place to to make a lot more bourbon. And I see Preach, that. brother. Let's go. You know, I, 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 we have very diverse temperatures, very diverse barometric pressures. I think it's perfect. Uh, why not Nebraska? We're right, you know, we're right in the middle of corn country. This is the perfect place to make bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people are catching on to that. I think we'll see a lot more distilleries in the coming years pop up in Nebraska because I think it's it's a it's it, it's perfect for our state. But um, another thing about it is is I think that um, what's unique to us is that you could take our barrels where we age them at in our in our rick house and you could take them and put them even in Omaha. You could take them down to Oklahoma. You could take them all the way up to North Dakota. The production tastes different afterwards because of of, of the way that it ages, and so um, of where it ages, and so we think it's really cool that you can our process, and and you'll see a lot of distillers be very transparent about the grains they're using, their mash bills, and everything like that because they know the, the where we age it, where it counts. You're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to replicate that, hmm. and so for us to be able to age it where we age it, and then on the flip side, the grain that is in that barrel was grown 200 yards behind our distillery. Hmm. It's yours. Yeah. It, it, you can't replicate. That so we're an open book, you know. We say like, if you you know come in, see what we're doing. Like we're not gonna, we have no secrets because try to replicate that process. So you almost need like a uh, like w- whatever year it was barreled that you've got a story about like what was the weather over That's those what next I was two say. years. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's kind of what we want to do is yes. like saying, you know, hey, this has gone through, you know, the high during this year was we were up, at, you know, above 100 degrees and the low was negative 20, which honestly yeah. that happened to us. This, these barrels that we're aging right now have gone through that, that, that in their yeah. life, they have yeah. gone through that. And it's, it's a cool thing to be able to say, you know, Nebraska bourbon, everybody talks about the bourbon state, which is obviously sure. in Kentucky. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I went down to distillation school down there and people look at you and they say you're from nebraska like what are you doing down here like what do you actually think that you got to run i mean we've had you know people that we've talked to about you know questions we've had in the distilling industry and they're like you're not going to make that work in nebraska you know where in nebraska like like well how far away are you from omaha and we're like well two and a half hours you're like guys how are you going to make this work (laughs) and we're like you don't understand nebraskans you don't understand the pride that we have and where we grew up and and why people care about the Mm -hmm. products that are made here Mm -hmm. and and if more people you know that's why we're so focused on quality because we don't want to give Nebraska bourbon a bad name. You know, we could put we could have pushed this out a year ago and we would have probably sold it all and and made great money doing it, but we're not going to do that. We're going to make sure that this stuff is quality and that in it in it gives Kentucky a run for for their money because mm-hmm. we believe that we can create products just as good if not better than what they're doing it. And and that's how we see ourselves um, from a distillery standpoint. We don't see ourselves as another Nebraska distillery. We th- we consider ourselves as a collective of distillers that are going to be able to make quality bourbon and quality products that line and pair really well with our beef and, and kind of what we want to try to do. So, I mean, it is crazy to me that, you know, we get a lot of questions about that process and and uh, and we're out here just trying to be an open book and, and answer as many questions as we can. And, and with that being said, <laughs> we talk a huge game because <laughs> we want to be perfect and we want to do everything perfectly. But we are still 26-year-olds who are young entrepreneurs who are still learning. And I think the whole thing with that is is that 
we are still going to make mistakes. And I think that mm -hmm. um, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be smooth sailing. And I don't think anybody's going to go through that process with smooth, smooth sailing. Yeah. For sure. And yeah. so I think that being transparent on this is where we want to go. I mean, I agree 110% with Joe. We plan to give Kentucky a run for their money. And we believe that Nebraska will someday in terms of the bourbon industry. Mm -hmm. And I think in the beef industry, I think there's going to be a space where we're going to do amazing things as a state. And I think we can be a common ground in the middle of a very undivided country right now. Um, and I, I really think believe that in this state with that being said we got a long way to go and like i said we're 26 year olds we got a lot to learn a lot to do but i i think building being on this podcast talking with um people like the guys from handle bend and mm -hmm. getting more people in this space i think that we're going to do some really cool things down the road so back to the weather Kyle, that i just love that thinking yeah. that your bourbon could be yeah. different each year but oh, like yeah. just tweaked a tiny bit because yeah. of the weather i really i don't know enough about bourbon being honest he's more the hard liquor i don't know guy. a whole lot about it well but, the, i mean you drink more hard liquor than i do yeah, it's like sure. the white claws <laughs> so white claw beers where i'm at but the cool part about bourbon too i mean and just getting more of the technical side of it that you have that every uh, it takes to make a barrel um to make or one one oak tree will on average make one and a half barrels and every oak tree is going to have different characteristics in the next depending on how okay. old it is um where it comes from in the state what it's gone through in its lifetime is going to bring out different flavors during that maturation process and so you could have two barrels that are not w one barrel is is alike you could have two barrels sitting next to each other and they could be half brother and sister but they're not the same sure. they didn't come from that same oak tree well, even from the barrel, barrel. And, yeah right. and so okay. that's where that's where the term okay. like single barrel comes from is is you know that product will probably not be replicated most distilleries um what they're doing and like you talk about like big distilleries down in kentucky a lot of them what they're doing is they're blending hundreds of barrels together to get sure. a specific flavor mm -hmm. profile that's very consistent um with what we're going to be doing is we don't have enough barrels right now aging to be able to have that luxury to have a consistent product so what, everything that we push out is going to be single barrel yeah every barrel will probably taste a little bit different mm -hmm. and that can be a detriment, but it also can be huge. No, you're you're embracing the differences. Yeah, you, you know you're embracing the story. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm buying into it. I mean, yeah, and that's, that's cool. That's 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 agriculture, right? There's yeah. that there's that yeah. there's that ebbs and flows, and it's up and down all the time. And and that's the cool part about bourbon. I mean, it's it's not all the same. You got so much differentiation b between those products. For sure. And I think going back to you know who drinks the hard liquor and who drinks the white claws. Uh, <laughs> when when we have a space, we're going to do some. Uh, women whiskey Wednesdays, Wednesdays to get people out to the distillery and say, you know, however you want to drink your whiskey is the best way. Whether you want it neat, whether you want it with ice cubes, whether you want it with two flicks of water, whether you want, you know, whether you want some coke in there, you know, it's whatever, whatever you like. And so to have a safe place, especially for women to come uh -huh. out and experience that and say, okay, what, what do I want to try in there? What do I want to do? I think that'd be really cool. You know, it's a, it's a masculine manly thing to drink whiskey. I really but like is these it? people, Ben. Right. Yeah, whiskey, women. I mean, I'm I'm all about it. <laughs> no <laughs> one allowed. <laughs> no, this is a safe place for everybody, like for just no, to come good. and try it yeah. and just like just you don't have to like it. That's okay. But just give a space to, you know, you walk up to the bar and you're like, oh, whiskey water. Which personally I like, but not a lot of people do, and that's okay to come out and try it out. So maybe maybe the women meet on Wednesdays, and you guys can deal with the men on Thursdays or something like that. Yeah, the brutes. Yeah. I the, like that. Yeah. The, the bourbon thing, just so people can um, have a full understanding of that, because there's specifics that make it bourbon, and like you talked about, a couple years in the barrel. What are the other specifics in order to call it that? Yeah, so all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. And sure. so um, whiskey is the overarching term for um, 
a spirit that has been aged from grain. Um, but bourbon is unique to not Kentucky. That's a misconception. It's it's unique to the United States. So it has to be first and foremost distilled in the United States um, and barreled and aged in the, in the United States. It's got to be a product of that. It's got to be a product of at least 51% corn, which is great because we grow a lot of corn in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and our mash bill has 80% corn in it. Um, it has to be um, it has to be distilled under 160 proof, um, and again, that's a distilling terminology that just pretty much means the proof that's coming off the still has to be under 160 proof. It has to be barreled under 125 proof. So when once after it's been off this uh, come off the still, we have to cut it down with water under um, uh, down to at least 125 proof um, to be and and that that's that's actually the, all of these things are regulated by the federal government. Um, and then it, it also cannot be ba- uh, ba- uh, bottled under 80 proof. And so over 80 proof, barreled under 125 proof, distilled under 160 proof. Um, and, and, and then for straight bourbon, there's a big difference if you look at your label and your bottle and stuff like that. Um, the only difference between, unless it has an age statement on it, between bourbon and straight bourbon is that straight bourbon has to have at least a minimum of two years okay. of age on it. So that is a lot of rules to follow. It's it's a lot of rules. Wow. And it was kind of mind-boggling for us when we first started. But it also gave you a lot of, um, of a template, too. You learned a lot of, like, this is how... Like it was already those rules that were created to protect the quality of mm-hmm. bourbon mm-hmm. allowed you to already have okay these Agreed. are your framework of how you're going to start and then you can kind of play with some things like one thing that that's going to set us aside a little bit is a lot of distilleries will have a high barrel entry proof and then they'll go right up to that 125 and then they'll add all their water in on the back end because they don't want to store water it costs you money to store water sure. you want to put you want to put as much whiskey in that barrel put it on the shelf because it costs you money to do that and then you cut it all down at the end for us we see that there's value um, and from what we've learned for some mentors of ours in adding more water in the beginning when you're cutting it down um, to that 125 and going in at a lower barrel entry proof because it gets time for that water to to go through that maturation process it actually increases the maturation process when you have more water in the barrel huh. and so um, it allows that process to happen it allows that marriage for water and whiskey to to um to happen and then um and then we'll add like a little bit you know then then after that that's where the craft is it's saying okay we're going to try our whiskey at different proofs and and we're going to decide what proof do we want to put it in the bottle you know you have to be under a certain proof but what how do we want our customer to experience it you know so when you when you set a glass down and you put whiskey neat in there and you sip it you are tasting that exactly how that master distiller wanted you to taste it. If you don't like it, that's great because then you can add in a little bit of water and you can open it up or you can and you get different kind of different flavors that come from it or you can drop some ice in there and as the ice melts, then it'll dilute that product and it'll it'll um, take off some of the harshness of that, of that product and then um, that allows you to experience that whiskey in a different way and if you really hate it, you can add Coke into it but <laughs> I, I, I yeah, just going back to what, uh, what Emmy was saying is I think that, that whiskey has been branded very much towards a specific audience and I think that, that that there's a space it was so funny watching we got into bourbon and this is a little anecdotal story of when Joe and Emmy started dating I think you guys used to like I would come I, I would like pop in on their dates which was super cool for your uh, for your, your brother to the be third like wheel, just, just, just like, be like what are you guys doing and uh, they're like we're on a date oh sorry but anyways they, they would buy a different bottle of whiskey and they would just try it together and that was I think that's how you guys really started to like that product you guys developed together I'll let Emmy tell the story 
Yeah, we just got into buying two bottles at the time, and then so we could compare the notes of um, back to forth. You know, we, I grew up, my dad was a big whiskey drinker, and so I got to try a little bit with him, and then with Joe in the business, I'm like, okay, this is business. We have to really figure this out. <laughs> and so we'd get two, and then we'd try to, you know, we'd first taste, and then it kind of went downhill after that, after you taste tested too many, but that was that was our date nights. We know we'd get two new ones, and then we'd, we'd figure out what we liked and what we didn't, and we went from there, so it was really cool. There you go. But to get back to what makes bourbon bourbon, um, that's, I mean, that's exactly, it's a, it's, it's a completely um, unique process to itself. Um, it can't be replicated. You cannot do it unless it follows those same guidelines, and it's, it's huge. It's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to take in, but like Matt said, it's a good template, and we kind of figured out what we liked and what we what we wanted from those date nights, we figured out what we liked. We researched, did our research on what the mash bill was, how long was that age, what was that product like, and from there we were able to create our own product based off of what we were tasting and what we really liked. So some it's people, pretty cool. Yeah, so people, whiskey brought you guys together, not <laughs> not pulling apart. That's the thing. Is is it? Yeah, that's a success sure. story right there. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that that's you know part of it. You've you've got. To look at you know the product is is it can it can be really bad for some people and and for us you know like I said you've got to do it responsibly you've got to drink it responsibly mm -hmm. um, I think there's that stigma around hard alcohol especially in the state of Nebraska we can fund breweries all day long which they have their own hurdles but if you think that the breweries have hurdles the stilling industry has twice as much oh, because yeah. of what the stigma around hard liquor is and if we can learn how to um, you know, put ourselves in, the, in, in, in a better light by, you know, sharing our story and why we produce mm -hmm. what we produce. I think that we can break down some of that red tape a little yeah. bit. Maybe promote, you know, personal responsibility too. I don't know. We, yeah. we <laughs> had, uh, we <laughs> had. Nah. <laughs> it's upstream's fault. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and now we take a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. We had uh, Millennial Farmer Zach here. And um, Randy, Master Pipe Lair. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, rem it reminded me what you guys were talking about where you said, like, um, you got to know each other well over whiskey as opposed to, like, fighting or whatever. Because what, what did Randy say? It was, like, water. It, oh. This is a farmer oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did he say? Yeah, water's for fighting, whiskey's for drinking. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah whiskey's drinking, water's fighting, yeah. 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 And in the farm world, that's the thing. It's, like, yeah. the water rights, everyone's fighting over this, oh, you know, absolutely. this kind of thing. But whiskey, man, let's hang out yeah. and have a drink. I mean, there's that old saying that, like, when you, when you have a, a bottle that's special or something like that and you're with family and friends, you don't, you don't, you don't put the cork back on that bottle yeah. because that's open. those are the people that you're supposed to enjoy that with, you yeah. know, there's friends yeah. and family. And so, you know, that's kind of one of our things. It's very romanticized and it is romantic. It's a, it's a romantic industry to be in. If you look at the history of the bourbon industry, you know, we, you know, Emmy and I figured that out. It's a very romantic product. It's, it's something that, that, um, you know, generations have, have, put so much effort in to make that mm -hmm. product. Um, and, you know, we want to be the first generation in our family to be able to do that. But if you look at a lot of the distilleries and the history of it, um, you know, some of those barrels that are coming out of those distilleries, the people that made them never got to taste them because they've been aging that long. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's such yeah. an insane story. I mean, there's 20-year-old there's wow. bourbons that are out there yeah. that, you know, not that... A great-great-grandfather is the one that put it in there. Yes. You know, you know and his great-great-great-great-great-grandkids are going to get to enjoy it. That's such a cool I – mean, so our, just a little story. Our our great-grandpa, he made wine. He would make it in his basement. And oh. it was like during the, – there was a time during Prohibition where you were legalized that you could make your own wine if mm -hmm. you wanted to. So he grew grapes and made wine. Grapes are tough to grow in Nebraska, but he mm -hmm. did it. And it was uh, – is probably uh, – I don't know. I never got to try it. But that is something that I, I think about in my head is someday – 
I, when we moved into that that old farmhouse, there was a little cellar down there that had empty bottles in it. Oh. And Joe and I were like, if only they had a little bit of wine in yes. there. Yes, I would just, I would just, yeah, exactly. Oh, that yeah. was an idea at one point. <laughs> it was an idea. We were like, that's not the right way to sell alcohol. But for a while, I was like, man, we could just flip the red light on, and people knew like this is the house he hit. But uh, we decided not to do that. But I was, I was like, man, someday my great grandkids will be able to. Uh, they'll be able to try something that 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 we created, and sure. and for me to have that experience, I really yearn mm-hmm. for that. So I I'm really excited to be able to to create that for for you know my great grandkids down the road. And in fact, our first barrel that we made, you know, I said uh, it's in 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 the fall should be ready, but that's actually the second barrel we made. The first one is going in the basement, and we will never open it. And, yeah. and I, I don't I don't think it's going to sit there. It's going to sit, and, yeah. and and I I I anticipate we'll never we we will never bottle it. Uh, hopefully someday somebody down the road will but it won't be us well you talked about i mean grandkids so then do you have a significant oh i (laughs) i i i I have a girlfriend but Uh, i'm still working on the whole marriage thing so we're we're we're, we're, it's in the the works (laughs) don't rush in buddy (laughs) (laughs) so that to that last point there you know like you said your your great grandkids will get to have something that you've created um you know, you guys as great grandkids really are getting yeah. to have something that your family created through the beef and the genetics and the family. And, and you're able to share that with so many people like us. Um, so really, you know, it's, it's kind of the same type of thing, really, when you think about we, it. I mean, we that's how we look at it. And that's how we viewed this. That's why vodka just doesn't make sense to us. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got to be bourbon for us because that product for us is just it, it, it realigns with our values. It aligns with who we are, how we were brought up. Um, and it's going to take time. I think that's the thing is, you know, we get people almost are like, are you guys even doing anything in that distillery? Are you guys actually doing it? Like you're, there's no product coming out of there. <laughs> yeah. And what they, people don't understand is, you know, no one wants that product to come out as soon as we do, but we are not going to push it out because it, it represents who we are. So until it's perfect, until we deem it that we we feel like it gets our stamp of approval on it, then we'll feel comfortable when people come in and say, oh, that's crap. It's not good. You know, sure. it doesn't matter because we think it's good yeah. and we love it, you know, and we've gotten that with the beef. Sometimes people say, hey, you know, oh, this wasn't this. Really? Was. I mean, it, there's there's people out there. They, they put their nose in the air and, and it doesn't. I don't think there'd be any cut of beef was good for them. But when. When we get those, it, it, it brushes right off our shoulder because we know that what we're doing and our process and, 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 and how it was created, it means something. It means something to us. And so that's to us where our bourbon's going to be at. It's not coming out until it's perfect. And at that point, you don't have anything to second guess. So if someone yeah. doesn't like it, hey, yep. it's cool, man. We yep. did everything that we wanted to do. It's not for everyone. You know, if you like it, you do. If you don't, you don't. Hey, it's a product you can stand behind. Yep. And yep. and I think and I think that's a big thing. And, and what you just had mentioned too, Ben, about, you know, um, our family having generations that were being farmers that were growing great beef and learning how to great, grow great beef for, uh, from our standpoint. Um, oh, I can't, I can't do the table thing, no, <laughs> right. but from our standpoint, um, we, uh, I, I think that we see in, in the distillery that being farmers has a, a big, I guess, impact on the quality as well. And sure. so when, when you see the bottle, you know, whenever that bottle hits the shelf, we already know what the label looks like. We've been working with this graphic designer who's, she's incredible, great, very, very talented. And, and, and we, sh- we shared our, our vision with her and she has knocked it out of the park in terms of, we said, we want to be known as farmers, not distillers. Mm-hmm. We want to be known not as 
distillers who happen to farm. Mm -hmm. We want to be known as farmers mm -hmm. who have a distillery and that distillery is on our farm because it is important for our farm to survive. Cool. And so that is going to be a part of the entire brand, the label, everything like that, because um, we want to be able to share that experience. And we want people to not even knowing us to look at the bottle and say, this was made by farmers. Yeah. This wasn't made by distillers who, you know, inherited some ground back west and they <laughs> you know they happen to have some corn that they throw yep. into it we want yep. it we are the ones that are raising the grain we're planting it and we're and we're caring for it all the way up until the point that it gets harvested and put in a barrel so yeah, that's cool something important yeah. to us awesome. man it's been fun guys yeah <gasps> A lot of really I know. cool I say, stories. I know yeah. we could sit here for. Oh, how long do you think we're months? in at this point? Oh shoot, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't want to guess how much. Andy, about you an gotta hour. go get about kids from daycare. He's like, oh shoot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I think we could sit here and talk all day about it, and we appreciate the opportunity for that you guys have given us to tell our story because you know that's that's what it's about. You know, mm -hmm. that's what it's about. If we we can all lift each other up and and be able to promote that, I think it's it's good for our brand, but it's good for our industry and and the industry that we all really want to support and that we love 100 i appreciate you guys coming cool. yeah it's it's a you know a little bit of a hike for you guys to get down here but we're always excited to get a load of beef so that's awesome you'll get all of it next time i promise <laughs> <laughs> yeah. once we hire that kid yeah, get that kid. yeah we, uh, we'll clean that up so i appreciate your patience i'll so. take you up on that so man to close out um we've been talking a lot about uh about the drinks and the distillery mm -hmm, and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. There's another outfit that we work with a little bit, um, Doug Trainer, yeah, up in West Point. You guys familiar with uh, Doug at all? Oh, uh, does he do Cooper's Chase? Yeah, you absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah. big so talking fans. of yeah. speakeasy. Yeah. So we've got this this cool table that my buddy built. Um, this company, Charred Chisel, made this flag for us. Um, folks can find them online too. They make some really cool stuff. But in here, oh, you might have to grab those cups too. No, no, I grabbed no, them. No, there's shot glasses. <laughs> Andy's prepared. Andy's on it. Oh, that is cool. Boom. There we go. So in the little hidden compartment, which someday your guys' stuff's going to look in here. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We, we will look yes. forward to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we've got uh, Doug's vodka and Doug's bourbon. Um, and then also from the Handle Bend Boys, a couple of custom mugs that fit down in our little cool spot here awesome. hand those over to you guys yeah. we're gonna have ourselves a little <laughs> yes sir that, uh, so if you want one you get to pick oh, if you guys I, like bourbon you, could you know after it. all this trashing on vodka i think i'll do vodka <laughs> 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 i'm sure the vodka that he does is incredible too but you know what? Yeah. it is good doug's yeah. a great guy i yeah. mean like you said absolutely you know mentors I, he's definitely a mentor for people and yeah asha we just need to reach out that's the thing is like i think that you get into part of you your really, industry where yeah. you kind of uh you forget the people that are you know that you can connect with so. yeah oh yeah. And he's an open book like he, he is, would yep. share with I anybody whatever well, you ask you know and and, and his no, his episode is actually it's our most listened one of our to more popular yeah, yep. most mm -hmm. yeah well he, and that's one thing i was just going to say is i wouldn't have known who doug was unless i listened to uh, i listened to you guys as podcast oh, gotcha. all time yep. so i yep. was um yep. i was that's that's how I, I know doug and actually after listening to his podcast i'm like man why have we not reached out to this guy? We yeah. could probably learn so much from him. So it's He's exciting that we can't do that. We did oh, a couple. <laughs> we did a couple with Doug too. One that we haven't released yet, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. We still got. And he's a cattle guy too. So I mean, oh, he's awesome. Got, yeah, he's yeah. got some great stories, but just a good dude, yeah. and uh, mm -hmm. and makes some pretty good drinks. Got some cool stories. 
Well, and that's um, the cool part about Nebraska is we're not the only ones who have this mindset. Um, right. There's uh, Loop River Distillery down in St. Paul, mm-hmm. huge admirers yeah. of what they're doing down okay. there because they, they still they, he's a farmer. He's got a grain to gra- glass distillery down there. Um, he started a little bit before we did, so he's got great products out there too. Um, and then yeah, Zach from from Brickway Brewing Distillery, mm-hmm. he he's, yeah. oh, yeah. he's helped us out. He's been a good mentor for us as well. Um, and so you know, there's just there's a lot of I mean, and then and all over the country, uh, if you looked at uh, there's a company that we strive to be like fry ranch distillery out of nevada they are they're doing amazing things down there um you know and so again just to be be a part of that industry i think it's it's an honor to be a part of it and i think that everybody in it respects each other um just because we know how hard it is to 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 not only do it financially but to to create a product and wait for that product to be as good as you want it to be and 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 what it should be and what you know give that tip of the hat to what bourbon should be right right for sure Cheers. Well, let's take a drink. Let's have a cheers, and let's close this thing out, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys coming. Yep. Let's have a little taste here. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Have you guys had it before? Yeah, I think I I have. Yeah. I you know I've I've tried a lot of bourbons. a lot of bourbons <laughs> and and all the Nebraska ones too. So yeah. again, not sure we we we're right up there with Kentucky, and that's that's the yeah. goal is to no doubt so. yeah. Wait, but where can everybody find you at? Yeah, I know you I mentioned it earlier. I'll give our shameless plug. Okay, let's do Upstreamfarms.com and then just Upstream Farms at uh, on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We're trying to get in that TikTok space, you know, so <laughs> we keep looking at it too. Oh man. my it's gosh, like, I know. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, so those are the, that's where you can connect with us. If okay. you want to reach out to us personally, it's just Matthew at Upstreamfarms.com and Joseph. Oh wait, you're not going to give a, the phone number? Oh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I would get in trouble. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. If, uh, <laughs> uh, and if people want to order your beef online, they just order right on the website? Yep, you, right on the website, you'll find a spot. You can just jump on there, uh, place an order, and then um, Joe and I and Emmy, we're the ones that fill the orders out. So once it lands Perfect. on your doorstep, That's you'll know it's coming from. So, yeah. and, and lastly, obviously, we got to close out, but yeah. why Upstream, the name? Oh, why Why we named Upstream? Pushing against the current, you know? I mean, I think, uh, like I said, new ideas on old dirt. Um Upstream actually literally in uh, the Native American language that was around here translates to the people of Omaha. So we knew hmm. that a lot of people huh. in Omaha was like a, it was a very um, that's where a lot of our customers are going to be. So that had a nod to that. Um, we did a lot of research into coming up with our name. And but like I said, I think the biggest one was we knew that we would be walking upstream when it came to gotcha. to, yeah. to doing what we were going to want to do. It wasn't just going to be floating downstream like everybody else. And it was going to be a little different. And so that's uh, it's actually kind of fun because every time that something happens, or we get some pushback or you get that feedback that Joe's talking about, um, we just kind of look at our name and say, well, that's what we're doing. That's what we were expecting that we when knew, we made yeah. it. We knew it starting out, <laughs> yeah. so that's what's going to be. So. so last but not least, you guys do have some merchandise. It's oh, on the Farm yeah. Focused website. Absolutely. Farmfocus.com. You can find the Upstream Farms brand there. Yep. Some cool hats, some cool uh, shirts, different gear, and I'm sure we'll be expanding that before long. Oh, yeah, that graphic designer I was talking about, she's got some pretty good ideas for that stuff. Oh, yeah. Coming down the line. Hit us up, man. Let's do it. Support the brand. Expand the brand. There we go. Yep, that's right. Cool. Well, I'm going to close this out with the music. You guys got anything else? No, this is great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Fun guys. All right. Anything? No? You're good? (laughs) Later, folks. Until next time. Here we go.